For the last several years that I have been here, I have heard a number of stories about the lengths that people will go to in order to become a citizen of this country. I talked to someone just this past week who said that they paid $10,000 total for fees in order to get their green card. And, and in order to do that, they had to, uh, they, they not only had to do that, but now he has many more years left and much more money to pay before he'll actually be able to become a citizen of the United States. I've talked to other people who actually uh, married some a stranger for, for money, but who was an American citizen so that they could become an American citizen. I've talked to other people who even committed fraud, all in the name of trying to become a citizen of the United States. So I first off want to say that I am in no way condoning becoming a citizen of the United States illegally by any means. I, I respect the Bible and what it says about marriage and how we also respect the, uh, the government that is placed over us. And yet at the same time, after hearing all the different stories in the past several years of people, the great lengths that they have gone in order to become a citizen of the United States, it has caused me to appreciate my citizenship as, as an American. I was born a citizen of the United States. I don't deserve the citizenship that I have. I did absolutely nothing to get it, and yet it's mine, and nobody can take that from me. And those are the great lengths that people will go to because they treasure the citizenship of the United States, a place which is far from perfect. People understand that when they come here, they realize that, that this country isn't perfect, that there are still problems here in this nation. Sin follows us around wherever we go. There's still stress, there's still worry, there's still even depression that can follow us here in the United States, isn't there? My point is this, that if I can underappreciate my citizenship in the United States, a place which is far from perfect, how much more can I underappreciate my citizenship in the kingdom of God, which is perfect? You see, in our lesson for today, the Apostle Paul begins talking about a transfer of citizenship from one place to another. And he begins by talking about where we came from. Open up to Colossians chapter 1. You'll see it there in your bulletin on page 4. This is in verse 13. He starts by saying this in verse 13. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. Now let's stop right there. Part of understanding or, or appreciating your citizenship is understanding where you came from. And we were first and foremost... Citizens, not of China, not of Ecuador or Peru or the United States, we are first and foremost citizens of the dominion of darkness. That's where we came from. A place that offers absolutely no hope, a place that, that causes us to be immediately an enemy of God and unable to do anything to please God, a place that only means that we are slaves to sin and to Satan. But Christ, like a Navy SEAL rescue came in through his death and resurrection, and he saved us. In the 1970s, some of you may remember, some of you may have read about uh, what happened in Thailand. Uh, the, refugee, the Hmong refugees that were there, they had to be transported out of there because of the communist takeover that happened. And... And when people talked about where are we going to send all of these 
among refugees. They, they need to leave the country. The answer was anywhere but there. They need to go anywhere but what's going on there in Thailand because of the danger that was posed to them. And when we think about where we came from, the dominion of darkness, that's, that's kind of our answer too. It's like we would have been happy to go anywhere but there. But look at where instead God put us. Look at what he says, and he continues on in verse 13. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We would have gone anywhere. We would have taken anything, and we would have called that a blessing to be out of the dominion of darkness. But instead, God made us citizens of the kingdom of heaven with all the privileges and rights of a natural-born citizen of heaven. Now, typically, when a refugee goes to another place, they may not always get all the privileges and rights of a natural-born citizen of that country. But think about what our Savior did for us. He not only gave us all the privileges of it, he adopted us as his children, making us, giving us the rights and the inheritance that only a firstborn child should deserve. And the gift that he gave to us, the greatest gift of all, which is really our passport into this perfect kingdom, is, as it says, redemption, or the forgiveness of sins. And so it is easy for us, I think, to underappreciate the citizenship that we have in the kingdom of God simply because it is incredibly amazing. What was going on for the Christians that Paul wrote this letter to in Colossae was that they, were, they did underappreciate their citizenship. They underappreciated their, their God in a very specific way. They started to actually worship the angels. Now, we don't know too many details about what was going on, but we know that there was angel worship going on. Now, angels are a good thing. God created the angels for a good purpose, didn't he? To serve him and to serve us. God created those angels for a good purpose, and yet somehow it went too far that they actually started to worship them. Now, I don't know that any of us will get to the point of worshiping the angels, but I think there are other ways that we do look at other things as being supreme over Christ in our own lives. This is really a first commandment lesson, isn't it? Do you remember the first commandment? Those of you catechism scholars out there. Remember the first commandment? You shall have no other gods. You shall have no other gods. Well, that sounds simple enough, right? We know that there's only one God anyway, so we shouldn't get it too mixed up, right? There's just one God that we will worship, the God from the Bible. And yet, we understand that, that in, and I also think too, in its simplistic form, when we look at that, I always think to myself of someone who takes a piece of wood, carves it out, and, and begins to worship that statue in some way. Right? And this was actually a, a temptation of the people in the Old Testament, that they would get into worshiping other gods, other statues, man-made things, created things, rather than the creator. That's what they got into. Some of you may remember the lesson in the Bible, what happened many years ago of when the Israelites after seeing all the power of God after they came out of Egypt, they started to worship the, the golden calf. And I look at that lesson and say, why on earth would you worship this, this statue, this golden thing? Why would you worship a created thing rather than the creator? 
It doesn't make any sense, at least to me. As we look in the past of those people, we say, how foolish. Why would they do that? And yet, if they would be able to look into the future at how we would sin against that first commandment, what would they see? They'd say, wow, how foolish. Look at those people as they worship their computer screens. They stare at it all day long. Look at things like Facebook, right? Or they have this shrine in their living room called a television. 61 inches with surround sound, Wi-Fi capabilities, and, and a thousand channels. They spend thousands of dollars on it. Not only that, they stare at it all day long. Right? They might look at people in their careers. They're 168 hours in one week, and somehow people manage to work about half of them and sleep the rest of them. And sacrificing on the altar to this God that we call career, there are lives, there's even spiritual lives at times, and their families. These are all good things, aren't they? Money, uh, career, entertainment, those are good things, blessings from God that he gave to us. The angels as well, they're good things, but somehow the people in Colossae started to worship them. And when did it get for those Christians in Colossae that they started seeing the angels as a blessing, but then that blessing turned into adoring them and worshiping them. What was the tipping point? And same thing for us, too, as we look at the blessings that God has given to us, the created things that he gave to us, when was the tipping point when it started to become worship to those things and putting those things in a higher place of priority in their lives rather than Christ, the creator himself? When was that tipping point? When is it for us? I don't know the answer to that. Satan makes it very confusing for us. So we can't tell when we have placed Christ at a lower priority point than the other things in this world. One thing that I tell people, and even this is not a perfect formula at all to find out you know, if you are worshiping the things of this world or not, is to just look at your priorities by looking at the way you spend your time and the way you spend your money and compare that to the way you spend your time and your money and spiritual things. This last week, as I was thinking through this lesson, I, I talked to somebody about it. And we, we talked about, you know, what would your life look like? What would change in your life if you were to actually always, every moment of every day, appreciate what your Savior did for you? Appreciate the citizenship that he won for you. How would that change your life today? And he actually listed a number of different things. How would that change your life today if every moment of every day you saw and understood Christ as the main priority in your life? See, Satan works and he uses the created things in this world to pull us back into that dominion of darkness. And sometimes he doesn't have to pull us all too hard. So what I want to do today with you is I want to do the exact same thing that the Apostle Paul did for the Christians in Colossae. I want to show to you and prove to you why Christ is supreme, why he is the most important thing in our lives and why our citizenship is something to be appreciated. So please look at your text again. This is Colossians chapter 1, again on page 4 and 5 in your bulletin. And he says this in, uh, in verse 15. He, that is Jesus is the image of the invisible God, 
the image of the invisible God. Now, for what reason would an invisible God ever need to become visible? Well, it obviously wouldn't be done to, to benefit himself, right? It would be done to benefit other people. And that's exactly what our God did for us. He became visible, not in the form of a vision, but something even greater. Physically became visible when he was born into this world for us. All to benefit us. Now keep that in mind as we continue going through these verses. It says in verse 16, For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He says to us, isn't it, isn't it silly that we worship the, the stuff of this world, the created things of this world, when, when I am the creator? And he says, you know, all these things that were created, they were created for you, for your blessing, for your benefit. All for us. Thinking about us. And not only thinking about us in the physical sense, but also in the spiritual. Look what he says next. He says, that he is the firstborn from among the dead. Firstborn from among the dead. That's kind of a strange phrase if you think about it, right? Firstborn among dead people. What, what does that exactly mean? Well, Jesus was the very first. The first one who would die and then come back to life and rise again in the resurrection. So he was the very first one understanding that many more would follow after him. The day that we die, we will come back to life and rise from the dead. First of many. He provided everything, he did everything for our benefit, not only for physical things, but also for spiritual things. Thinking about you. Not only is Christ supreme, but he did everything for us. And he did everything for us, understanding that you would at times take advantage of the incredible blessings that God has given to you. He did it at times knowing that you wouldn't always appreciate everything that he did for you. And he went ahead saving you and giving you all the things in your life, even though he knew that we would not appreciate him at times either. That we would not appreciate always our citizenship in heaven. But he did it anyways. And he didn't do it begrudgingly, just the opposite. He says in verse 19 this, that God was pleased. God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him. Nothing could have made our God happier than to sacrifice his own son for a world that didn't deserve it. And what was his motive? What was his reason why? Look at the next verse in verse 20. It says, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Now that word reconcile that's in there, that's a word that means that there was originally some peace, something was broken, it fell apart, and then the purpose, the point, is to bring it all back together again. And whenever I see that word reconcile, it takes me all the way back to the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. The creation of the world, God created this perfect world for us. There's perfect peace between God and man. But then in Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve fell into sin, that perfection was ruined and destroyed. And so God worked from that point on to save us and save this world and to pull us out of the dominion of darkness to rescue you and me. He did all of that for us. And like a, a billionaire father whose son was abducted and taken from him, he spent everything he owned, he sacrificed everything to find us, and to rescue us. 
See, that's what makes our God supreme. That's what makes Christ supreme. It's not only that he is all-powerful and he created all things. It was more so that he was willing to give it all up for you. Now, I can understand why we don't always appreciate our God and our Savior. I can understand why we don't always appreciate our citizenship in heaven because, because the stuff of this world, the physical stuff, we can see it, right? We can understand it. But, but the, the stuff that Jesus won for us, the greatest things of all, our citizenship in heaven, the forgiveness of sins, well, those things you can't tangibly understand as well. It's kind of like looking at an iceberg. And you can only see the very top 10%, but under the water there's 90% of this thing hidden from us. And see, and so the only way that you can possibly understand this and, and appreciate Christ and appreciate your citizenship in heaven is to go back to God's word, go back to the Bible. Because there, over and over again, it's painted clearly for you and me to see the reason why our Savior, our King, is supreme. In God's word, we get to see all the promises that he made and all those promises fulfilled. We get to see the power of our God, who, as it says in our lesson, holds all things together, everything, for us. We get to see a God who loves us and gave up all of that to save us, to have us with him forever in heaven. Christ is our king, and we do appreciate him in everything that we do and say in our lives. Amen.